0: This is DTC Growth Hacking with Rob McGray. Brought to you by Field Test. Advertising Simplified.
1: This is Rob McGray and you're listening to DTC Growth Hacking Selling Stuff Online. A podcast about the crazy world of direct-to-consumer relationships that we're all living in. We use this forum to discuss all the different ways that brands can engage with customers, guests, and audiences from the point of view of the brands themselves, the agencies and platforms that help enable these special bonds, and the consumers that are most affected. When the folks at Field Test, who produced the podcast, and I were putting together the initial concept, we knew that DTC was bigger than marketing in the traditional sense. The team felt very strongly that there was a revolution at hand, that the democratization of the tools needed to build a business meant that not just big businesses could afford to build out great relationships, but that anyone with a desire, a product, a message, and some ingenuity could become a successful DTC brand. Which leads us into today's subject matter, climate change, what we're all talking about. And to discuss it, I'm really excited to speak to my friend Brendan Schur of Rare.org. And if you don't know, Rare is a team of passionate individuals. Focused on leveraging behavioral science to better understand the relationship between climate change, sustainability, and the inhabits of Earth. And if that sounds bold, it's because it is. It's a massive nut to try to crack, but in beginning to crack it, there's hope that we can start to better communicate and prioritize the responsibility that we all share, assuring that the planet can continue to sustain human life. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Rob, it's great to be here. What did you think of my intro? Oh, okay. Well, first
0: of all, selling stuff online, that's actually totally true. Like I'm, I'm trying to sell a better life, a better, uh, a better way of living, uh, better behaviors, better things for, for, for what's good in your life, right? Um, yeah. But I love the change. I think we talked about this earlier and you said, um, hey, it's, it's not about saving the planet. It's, I mean, it is. Climate change is big. It's going to hurt the planet but we find it's just not as motivational. It's not as like what's going to hurt next week or what's motivational for next week. As is, you know, we see from things, people people are worried about bodily harm right now. Majority of Americans when surveyed think climate change could really hurt them or someone they love, right? That's motivational. Or what's even more motivational maybe is what's my kid going to come home from school and ask me about climate change because they just learned about it and said, Hey dad, I'm scared. (laughs) What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like next week. That's, that's real to people. (laughs) And, and so we got to think about ourselves because that's going to be what really motivates us to do, do something about this.
1: When, when we, when we first talked about um, bringing you on, and you pointed that out to me, I had never really made the connection or, or, or focused on the nuance and the difference between, you know, this belief that we were destroying the planet, which seemed like, you know, you kind of don't really believe it anyway. It's like, come on, the planet me, but versus as you explained it and, and as, as in, in you're stressing is that, no, no, we're destroying ourselves. Like if the planet, if we can't live here, where are we going to live? Like, come on and, and that responsibility. And I know that, you know, you're a parent and, and you have to look your kids in the eye and say, well, when they come, when the day of reckoning comes and it's like, this is on your watch, dad, like what's up? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and yes, it is. We do have to sell this. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how we look at it, um, it, it, you know, there are sales tools available. And, you know, and, and and do you remember, um, I'm a little bit older than you are, but like when you first learned about like propaganda, I think it was probably like junior high school, I can't remember the book, but it was like you began to understand what commercials were and what influence was and how you know, bodies of uh, groups of people could be, could be manipulated through messaging. And and it could be good used for good and and new examples of that and it could be used for really bad things. But I think, you know, I'd like to believe that we that we have the technology and we can use it for good. And this, what better way, than save ourselves? Right.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, that's an awesome intent, right? It's self preservation. Um, and that's I think one of the big differences about moving into nonprofit is is that tendency to want to try to ennoble a project so that everyone feels like we're doing the right thing and really clearly focusing on what's going to be good for the business and good for the human being. Um, mm-hmm. In my case, I don't have to do a lot of that work anymore of saying like, uh, right. this is clearly the goal of, of our program is to bring down emissions, right? Is to make this planet habitable mm-hmm. for all of us. And it really orients a team very quickly, very, very fast.
1: Yeah, and, and listeners, to set context, uh, you know, Brendan and I met when he was uh, the president of Adaptive Path, which, um, if you don't know, was, was is, it was um, one of the most influential user experience shops um, probably ever. And one of the first that I'd ever heard of that had really taken that on as a discipline and something that people wanted to, to buy uh, we worked on on a few projects together, and, and specifically, the big one was was when I was at Disney. And you know, I know that that you saw through a successful acquisition of the company. Um, you know, went on to kind of helm user experience at, at Capital One, and you know, and 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 take on the, the banking world. Um, but but going back a step, like, what was the big takeaway? from your, your experience, you know, running an agency that you bring into this, you know? Bring into this work here that I'm
0: doing now? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think experience matters. Like that's the big rule from what we did as an agency to what we did with Capital One after we were acquired is just everyone brought these problems to us. Whereas like people are showing up, they want it, but they don't don't get engaged like we just can't mm-hmm. get it done and we we can't help but see the world through our own eyes and that happens with businesses too you like get stuck at headquarters you're just like we built all the things why why aren't people engaging the way we imagined yeah and yeah. to really invert that and kind of say okay you know what um Business process re-engineering, that's great at streamlining inside the walls of the business and really connecting all the dots. But what we haven't done is connected the dots for the human beings out there who we're trying to serve. And how do we really see the through line of what they're trying to do and then line up all our processes, all our tools, all of our experiences to really make that happen? Because that's going to be the critical path more and more out there in the world. And when I think about you know behavior change... And helping people, you know, adopt some different ways in their lifestyle, it's the same problem.
1: Yeah. Do you, do, you know, do you approach it from the standpoint that everybody wants to do the right thing? Do you believe everyone actually wants? I mean, because it's self-preservation, right? You right. think that that we want to do it, but do you think people, um, as you're as you're doing, as you're going through your your, you know, what kind of whatever exercises you go through to to get into the you know, that empathetic state of, of the person you're trying to talk to, are you looking at it as, Hey, look, at the end of the day, everybody wants to do good. I need to figure out a way to, to let them do that. Yeah. I, I think there's, let, let's, let you know, narrow it
0: down about 72, 73% of Americans believe climate change is real. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's not a 50 50 kind of thing. Most people and growing uh, believe it's a problem. Uh, and of those 55, 56% believe um, it's so intensely that they're alarmed or concerned about it. And then, like I said, majority feel um, they might have bodily harm from it. Majority of people also believe they themselves should do something. It's not like, hey, Joe Biden, you go off and solve this, government solve this, corporations solve this, but they think they have a role in it. So um, that's a, that's still a Big group to start off with. That's that's a lot of Americans. Yeah. Um, I think the big challenge is they don't know what to do. So when we ask them, "Hey, what what do you what could you do to, to personally to address climate change?" The number one answer sixty percent people say, um, "I can recycle." And recycling's great. Mm-hmm. We should keep on doing that. But it's not even a top twenty five answer in terms of things that could impact. <laughs> Climate change. Okay, so we have a lot of people out there believing that, believing you know, reducing the plastics also not great thing, good thing to do for the oceans and many other reasons, but that's not a top you know thing that's going to address climate change. So we have people who want to do it, are are motivated to do it, uh, but they don't even know the right thing to do. And then when they do know the right things to do, they're still like. You know, we all know we should do long-term financial planning for our, for ourselves, our families, but average American spends like, I think it's somewhere between like two or four hours thinking about their long-term financial future every year. And so there's all these things that we right. believe we should do, but we never find the time. And so how do you build up that, that moment of motivation and inspiration, reduce all the barriers? Keep the intensity there so people actually build that new habit so that people actually go through a process to, you know, get something meaningful or tough like putting up solar panels on the roof done. So, yeah, uh, we start with the belief I, that, I read this. that a lot of people do want to go there. It's just it's just hard in our lifestyle to really fit it in, make it happen, stay on target um, and
1: know that what is the right thing to do. Yeah, I I, I... I just read this um, headline and what it said was that, and I think it was like a Reddit post, right? So it's not really a headline, but it it was, uh, you know, Elon Musk was so smart to make Tesla a tech company and not a, and not a green company. Right. And, And the kind of the, the, the gist of the whole thing was that if, if, if he, if Tesla was a green company, it wouldn't be sexy. You know, and and what they you know, what Tesla has done is and, and, and I think this is an undeniable truth. They have changed the way that we look at EVs forever. And so you can have the the cool factor, um, and the speed and all the things that, that you know gearheads want. Um, but but by the way, it's also much better for the planet. Yeah. Um, and, and and I don't know if that's true. Right. I, I, I don't really, I don't have the data. I don't know. I mean, my guess is as good as anybody's, but I think there's something there about, you know, the, the creating a feeling and that could be a feeling of accomplishment. It could be a feeling that, you know, I'm doing something right. Or it could be a feeling like, Hey, this is cool. Right. But creating something that is validating in some way for people. Yeah. And I know that you guys have done, um, exceptional work. And, and I want to put get this out there early on so that we can refer to it later, but putting together this idea of, of seven things that, that you as a person can do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's talk through some of those. Um, that's part of the magic, first of all, is that we did the research because no one knew what to do. <laughs> We started with lists from Drawdown and a few other uh, places that have identified existing solutions. And we said, hey, of those, how many could individuals do? And of those that individuals could do, which ones have the biggest impact for Americans? And we were worried it was going to come back to a list of 30 or 40, but it's mm-hmm. actually only seven. And that's great because seven is a manageable bunch. You don't have to suddenly figure out which one are you gonna start and then how much of that can you do and how much of the others can you do. Um, It's it's segmentable, uh, you you can identify the targetable market for each from that perspective, but let's talk through them. Um, One is adopt a plant-rich diet, right? Uh, Maybe we should even call it a plant-rich meal because diet kind of uh, has a connotation with it,
1: right? So let's use the right frame. Yeah. I mean, diet, diets, I think it's diet scary to people because yeah. it doesn't feel permanent. It feels like, oh, I'm going to do it for a little while and I can't keep it going. Yeah. You know?
0: And
1: what really what we just want people. And, to and Brendan, are things. these, uh, by the way, are these in any particular order as you, as you throw them out or does it, it's no it's
0: zero order. Honestly, they're in the A through G order so that I can remember them. So uh, there's a little bit of a first letter uh, thing going on. So A is adopt a plant-rich diet. See the yeah. I'm going Um, to see if I can remember these. (laughs) Actually, gotcha. Uh, So yeah, we just want people to eat a little less meat. We don't all need to be vegans. It's just when you eat a little less meat, there's a lot of carbon that gets removed from the food chain. you know, cattle that don't have to graze, the, all the food that has to be produced to, pr- to uh, feed that cattle, um, all the trucking it to you, right? And so, you know, have a, have a meatless Monday, um, you know, or try uh, cooking a different meal, try ordering uh, an all veggie meal. When you do takeout next, try, that, try it that way. Um, there's a, lots of little habits, um, but each of those can, can start to have a big impact, especially when we do it collectively. And you see other people doing it too, right? Um, yeah. that's, that's the magic of the Tesla is you see those other Teslas going around and you think they're pretty cool. And so you think you might really want one. And maybe somewhere in the back of your mind, it clicks that like, hey, that's probably better for the earth too. But, yeah. um, but the, the social dynamic is really the, the short, uh, short path
1: to getting the behavior to change. I went down this rabbit hole like a week ago of, um, trying to figure out how healthy was the impossible burger. Right. Yeah. And, and I ended up, uh, I, I read an interview with, I think his, his name is Dr. Mark Hyman. Right. And, uh, and he explained, you know, essentially I'll, I'll condense not super healthy. <laughs> right? Right. And that in fact, you know, and he wasn't recommending you go eat a burger every day, but he was saying, look, if you go with grass-fed beef. And you're, and you, you know, and again, you're not eating it with every meal, but it's probably actually better for you and potentially the environment. And he went on to explain the process and all of the things that get, you know, put into this impossible burger. And, you know, and, and, you know, and you look at impossible foods, like their stock is crazy. Like they're clearly, they figured out how to market this. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, you know, I mean, I, I, I wish that the people who made like zucchini knew how to market because there's like, <laughs> you know, or, or lettuce um, there, you know, there's just nothing there. There doesn't seem to be anything bad, you
0: know? Yeah. But um, yeah, you look at how impossible Burger is marketed and the first thing out the door is not like be an environmentalist. Right. In fact, you know, the number of people who count themselves as environmentalists have been dropping over the, the, the last couple of decades. Right. And so, they actually kind of sell this like very intense lifestyle of having a big burger and enjoying it. And it happens to be, you know, no meat and that frame works just like Tesla is a performance vehicle. It's not a, it's not for the tree hugger.
1: Right. Right. Okay. So we got, um, we got an A. We got an A. B. Let's
0: go to B, bicarbon offsets. Um, these are projects out there in the world that uh, either keep carbon from being emitted or sink it once it's out there in the world. So it could be like changing out cook stoves um, for uh, women in other parts of the world who have been using um, fossil fuels and you can swap it out for a renewable resource. And those kind of projects then just remove... Carbon from being emitted. Um, we just don't think of when to do it, which is like, oh yeah, that that flight I just took, that mm-hmm. put a lot of carbon in the world. Maybe I should buy a carbon offset. It's actually much cheaper than when we when we survey people, they expect the price to be much higher than it actually is. So, you know, average American, I think right now it's uh, about fourteen dollars a month or
1: so in terms to mm. offset your lifestyle. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I feel like for me, that's one of those things where I, 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 am very undereducated yeah. on, you know, and, and there was the big, um, carbon credit movement mm-hmm. that, that I never really, I never really understood. And, and, and the, the skeptic in me said, this seems like, this seems a little strange, like what's going on. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that the key, the key about the way you've explained it and the way that you guys are, getting people to understand it is is by providing that that very real example yeah. like i can imagine like you know okay if you replace those stoves it's like okay well you know i i can it's the same way if you said you know and i know we're going to get there but uh you know if you were, i know how i i can pick i can visualize exhaust coming out of the back of the car out of the tailpipe and if that wasn't to happen what that might mean yeah,
0: yeah. essentially offsets haven't been teslaed right right um, right now they're mostly bought by businesses who are trying to reach their carbon net zero pledge um, to, to address their own footprints. And so no one said, but what does a consumer actually need? Only two percent of consumers in the US have think they probably bought something like a carbon offset in the past 12 months. And so no one's really looked at it and gone, hey, how do you how do you really make this into a consumer product Not that you have to understand the science behind everything, but, you get it enough, you understand what it and believe in it. It's, it's been checked out and verified and trustworthy, and you feel great about, about buying it. Right now, it's just kind of selling you math for feeling guilty about doing something. And again, that's not a frame that works really good. Uh, you have to feel great about it. It has right. to feel like you know, you're, you're buying in something awesome that you want to tell someone else about, not it's your, your little indulgence payment on the side.
1: Yeah, I, I heard. Uh, it, it, clearly, I listen to a lot of, um, um, I guess, podcasts and radio. But uh, I, I, this morning, I heard an ad for, I think it was a credit card company, mm. and every dollar you spend, they 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 do an offset for you. Yeah. And it was like, wow. And I don't know what the what the ratio was. Maybe it was like a penny to every dollar or something. But I was like, that would add up pretty fast, actually. Yep. It's probably
0: the 1% back for uh, Bank of the West. Uh, It's one of those. Uh, Aspiration Bank does a similar product as well. Um, But yeah, I think that's the natural integration into people's behaviors. That's like, okay, I just offset something. Okay, let's have a conversation about what that is now and why that's happening. And it fits into your normal you know, mode of living out there in the world and associates now your spending with a certain amount of missions that happen. So yeah. I think it's an interesting entry point into people's lives.
1: Yeah. And, and also to your point, you know,
0: people are going to continue to use credit cards. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So we got A, we got B. What's next? C is contracting green energy. So you can sign up for green power from like your utility. There's uh, great kind of third parties out there like Arcadia or uh, Clean Choice Energy, who who says you know just. Just give us your login to your utility. We'll take care of the whole thing for you, tell you, help you select what's the right mix of renewable energy for you, and help manage all your bills. And so I think that's a great example of getting more consumer-oriented with solutions. So it's, it just kind of feels like magic. Someone's taking care of it for you. Um, you can also go even further yeah. and put solar on your roof. Our community solar is a good option for folks who um, who uh, don't uh, own their own home, and it's sort of like you know Bitcoin in your backyard. You're gonna you're gonna eventually break even, and then you're going to start making some money over over the long haul.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like um, you know in 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 the tech crowds, solar has been you know gaining momentum quickly, and. You know, and and there is a certain level of gamification when you have a solar system, you know, uh, and and you kind of play around and start to understand how it works. I mean, the most exciting thing for me is like the fact that you could when you have the battery and you can um, you're unaffected by what happens on the grid. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's I don't know if it's 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 cool. Right. I think it's super cool. um, And it's one of those things kind of like the the electric car um, where you feel you do feel good about yourself.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And when I you mean, get those working in
0: combination, you know, the, yeah. with the solar and the EV, you're you're literally driving on your own sunshine.
1: It's yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think we as a I, we've come to accept the power that comes into our house. I don't know if we think about where that power comes from very much. Not until it. Gets turned
0: off right not until not until you lose it um but i I think it's an interesting question of how do we how do we make ourselves more mindful of of those sources yeah so okay so we've got um c got to d don't waste food which is um interesting it starts with shopping smarter so just being mindful of what you're actually going to eat and not overloading uh the fridge right Or, or Otherwise, storing it better so it lasts longer. That includes turning your refrigerator to thirty-eight degrees. Um, is will really uh, extend the life of the food. And then, once you've had the meal, once your kids didn't eat the, you know, all their peas, then uh, if if it doesn't make sense to, you know, have a use it up day later, if it's really got to go out in the garbage, you really need to find your composting program within your community or. Your own backyard composting—that's what I do. Kids love playing with the worms; um, it's become a fun thing. And um, because this is why it's it's so important—is when you throw food in the garbage garbage can, it doesn't go to the the landfill and just decompose. It sits there until it turns into methane, which is, I think, up to like fifty plus percent more or. 50 times more potent than the normal greenhouse gas of carbon. Yeah. And so yeah. I think of it as like, you've just put a methane bomb in the garbage when you <laughs> throw the
1: food there. Yeah. And, and to your point, um, you know, not everybody can compost, but I, I suspect that most of us are within reach of someone who does, you know, whether it's go to the farmer's market or wherever, like someone's going to take it. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's helping yeah. helping people find these little things that overcome those obstacles of like, oh yeah, I do go to the farmer's market and they do pick it. Okay, got it. I can do that. Yeah. It's that research I'm in process right now
1: of getting into composting. So I've been doing like a lot of research and I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I've been trying to learn everything I can so I know exactly which, like what I want to buy mm-hmm. um, and, and how I'm going to use the, what is it? The black gold, what I'm going to use it for. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to, and it, it's a whole world, right? It's, yeah. it's a whole thing that is, uh, you know, with, without, you know, besides the initial investment in whatever kind of bin you're going to have, like, it seems to be all free. Yeah. yeah. just happens. It just magically
0: happens and you get black gold on the other side. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's just helping people with like smart defaults. Like, Hey, yeah, you, um, you're on your own home. You know what? You should try a sub pod or you should try, you know, here's, here's the, most likely great option for you, but we have a few others if that's not not it. And so how do we help people yeah. through through those kind of fast decisions?
1: Yeah. And then E, I, I think I know E. You want to guess it? I think it's EV. Yep.
0: Yeah. Electrifying your vehicle. So uh, Americans buy a car about every four or five years, but we're at the point where we're going to be hurting if everyone doesn't decide their next car is going to be an EV. And so how do we make sure it's in the consideration set? It's something you've maybe already pledged to do, you've already taken a test drive with a friend or whatever, so you're just, you know, presuppose that you're probably going to get an EV because that's how quickly we need to change things over.
1: Do you have do you have data on that? The what the mindset of of you know, the the general public is on that right now?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh I think penetration is like at three percentage uh, percentage points right now the car market. You know, projections are like, okay, it's just naturally going to go up into the teens, but at the rate we need to go, it needs to be substantially higher. So, you know, I think we're gonna see incentives come out around that from a governmental standpoint. I think there's gonna have to be a lot of investment in the one thing people seem to worry about, which is range. So how do you how how do you have more stations mm. out there uh, to charge up and charge up quickly? Yeah. But also the benefits you get from EVs, I think people just don't realize, like you worry about this range anxiety thing and it never really happens that often really that you're out on the road and you're like, oh my gosh, I need a charger. Uh, it's it's right. more that uh, these wonderful benefits of like, oh wow, I never have to go get it serviced. <laughs> You know, um, after yeah. 15,000 miles from my little Chevy golf, uh, or excuse me, Chevy, uh, bolt, um, you know, I've only been back to have the road uh, tires rotated and that's it. Uh, I never stopped by a gas station, right. I never had yeah. to think, oh, wait, do I need gas? Do I need oil? It just poof, none of it happens. Uh, and they're all magical little great vehicles. So from Teslas to the other things coming out of the market.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, and, and I'm, this is an area I'm fairly passionate about, but I'm so I get so annoyed because in my mind, Tesla went out and they built the, the missing link, which was the supercharger network. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I don't work for Tesla. I don't know what's really going on. But but I did. I did read like everybody else that, you know, they were open to allowing other brands to use and, and some do to use the supercharger network then you have like all the car companies that that don't want to do that and they're getting together and they're building like these you know half-ass third-party solutions that are not nearly as user-friendly as the Tesla kind of proprietary thing and if you watch the videos like I can tell you like every time I've gone to a supercharger I just pick up the thing and shove it in the car and then it tells me it's done and I take it out and you watch the videos online and it's like people go there, they have to like look up they, on a map, like where I am. And then they have to like take a picture of something and then they might have to like our, a car, you know, um, Apple pay it. And then it, it goes down to like having to tell them the pump number. And it was like, oh my gosh, you're making it so hard on people. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you do this? You know, why would you, why would it be such a, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into your, your background, but yeah. why would you make such a terrible user experience when you know you need to make this super easy. Yeah.
0: And that's it. Like, if you want someone to switch behaviors, you have to remove the logistical obstacles, the psychological obstacles that exist. And EVs do have a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, one by one, we got to pull those out of people's way. So it's just the default option of like, of course, we're getting an EV. Um, Why it'd be insane to,
1: you know, go backwards to, to those other cars. I think, I think 90% of the people that I've polled in my small world, um, have said absolutely next car. Yeah. Um, if, if, if they don't already have one and and some people were like, okay, I have one, but I kept, you know, I wasn't comfortable going all in. So I kept this one around just in case, but you know what? I, I'm just going to go all in because whatever I thought was wrong. So it's, it's definitely
0: going to be a, a swift adoption curve. We just got to make it as fast as possible. Um, yeah. Buying an EV individually is the biggest impact action that we're talking about um, that any one of us can do. Oh, so
1: I, I feel good about myself. <laughs> or half of, I feel 50% good about myself right now. Uh, I've I also tried to figure out what F is. What is F. Fly one less time.
0: We kind of hit on it a little bit earlier and yeah, hinting about yeah. some of the things you could could uh, or might need to offset. And uh, this can be a big one. I think we know, you know, people still need to go fly and see grandma or, you know, there's the vacation you've dreamed of, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think the what really makes sense is to focus on the heavy business traveler, you know? Um yeah. COVID has really helped us out. Like I don't think COVID's a great thing, but uh in terms of helping us think like, oh yeah, you know what? I don't have to be there for every sales meeting. You know what? Right. We could send one person instead of the whole team to, you know, watch watch the body movement in the room and know what people's and we have a n- totally new way of doing business now. And uh I think we just have to instill that norm now that it exists for business to keep the business travel down? Cause let's be honest, there's probably going to be a spike in travel as you know, the economy opens up and people do want to move around and do that trip. They got canceled,
1: uh, uh, during it's already opening. happening. Yeah. I mean, people, people are suddenly flying again. You know, you know, what's funny. And, um, I, I was taking, a I I got my pilot's license and, um, there's this, uh, massive jet at the um, at the airfield that I was studying at. And um, it turned out that this this very big jet was owned by this very famous celebrity, who I won't say their name, begins with an O. And this individual was really like, you know, it, it, as a public person was very much like, yeah, we got to save the, the, you know, we got to do this, we got to do that. They're very like, you know, trying to be supportive of climate change. And the joke at the, you know, at the airport was basically, this person only flies on this massive jet. It's like three people on it. And it's like giant. And they knew, you know, because as a pilot, you have to know how much fuel's burning and you could do the math in your head and you could, you could do the dollar amount and the gallons for, you know, back and forth to New York all the time. And it was like, wow, that's, gee, if that's in the top seven, like, and this person is probably like a mate, I mean, just their footprint, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: uh, so many things to unpack there. Um, first of all, yeah, tight correlation between wealth and carbon footprint. Like if you have a second home, if you have, I think the super yacht is really the thing that kills uh, the super wealthy. Um, oh, yeah. uh, but even for us in the Western world, like Americans have a larger footprint than anyone else in the world it's been there for a while, right? Other, right. you know, China is going to out emit us eventually just because of sheer population size, but we have a lot of responsibility and kind of the lifestyle we've built for ourselves and the need to really bring that within reason. Um,
1: because okay. really with climate change- That's a really good point. To... Good. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a, but that's a good point because I think a lot of people believe that you know China is probably generating more damage right now, but what you 're talking about is the entire run of the united states i 'm soon going back to like the industrial age yeah. and and China has only been doing this for a short a much shorter amount of time yeah, I talk
0: about it like a bathtub we 've been filling up with hot water right the u s has had the faucet cranked open for a long time. <laughs> And then China just shows up really recently and starts pouring a lot, you know, a little bit more hot water than us. And I think we have this moral responsibility of like, okay, yes, you know, China needs to, to hit peak and, and start bringing it back down. But we really, you know, we've put a lot of hot water into this bathtub
1: and yeah. it's mostly ours. Well, flying less. And then we've got the, the we're at G.
0: And we're at G, which is a little bit of a different one, but it's, it's a multiplier of all the others. Um, I have two aspects I want to talk about, but first, get engaged, G, get engaged. When people see you doing these behaviors, they start to realize it's important, like the biggest predictor of whether you will install solar panels on your roof. It's not your income. It's not where you live. It's whether your neighbor has solar panels. <laughs> Because they figured out, like, oh, it's this is an important thing to do. Um, maybe you helped make it faster because you showed that you know you told them where to go or what some of the troubles you, you had or how's how's the right way to do it. But talking about it, showing it, seeing it—that's what drives it towards a new norm. We recently did some surveys and uh, uh, data gathering and polling in uh, Boston, and we asked, hey you know, do you do this behavior? Do you think it's important? Do you think it's important for other people to do? And yes, um, everyone thought like high percentage points, 50, 60, 70 percentage points that they thought is important to do these seven behaviors, right? But then we asked, do you think other people think it's important for other people to do it? (laughs) It's kind of a weird question, but like Yeah. And it just drops. It drops like in half. And so we have this problem where we don't realize that each other thinks that these are important things to do. And so by by talking about it, by sharing it, by showing that you're doing it, it like that helps crush that that gap there. And then that's what really creates what we call a dynamic norm where people realize the world's
1: changing and they better, they better hurry up and adopt the behavior too. Yeah. So how's, how's the message being received so far? Like, you know, I, I, I don't know how, how you quantify it, but I'm sure you guys have some way yeah. to, 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 know if this is working. Yeah. Um, I'm really optimistic in terms
0: of those, those kind of variances we saw, like it, in, in the study I just shared, those can be closed, right? It's not that people don't think it's important. It's not that people don't understand climate is uh, an issue. They do. It's it's first of all just this help people realize what's important, and they respond to the messaging. Yes, you know you'll find different segments feel differently about eating less meat or, you know, whether whether they can contract green energy or not. So so there's some some modulation in terms of who who's approachable right away. Um, but there's a behavior that's accessible to everyone here uh in terms of the list we have like everyone eats food right salad isn't a new innovation (laughs) um anyone can adopt it and so i I, in early pilots and testing of the messaging in terms of testing of early engagement and we're having a lot of for example um really good success with employers employers Mm. know that they can uh continue to attract more employees, especially younger employees, if they have a sustainability program, if they're actually showing up and doing things in the lives of their employees. Um, And we also know with with pandemic, as the economy opens up, there's a huge risk of people leaving their job they're at because they're going to start looking around. And so um, WeSpire, one of our partners who does employee engagement, uh, looked in a study and 57% of people are open to are currently looking for another job right and that's that's a big number but it drops to about 7% when they believe their company is doing something purposeful really? and they see it happening in in their lives right and so to be able to bring these seven behaviors but as perks or as benefits to your employees that really helps you know start to close that gap of like oh okay yeah we are doing something this is this is an employer i believe in because we are trying to you know get solar, we're trying to eat differently, we're trying to do the right things. And so that's, that's a channel we're seeing a lot of success in.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, I, I think we've reached um, the point where most companies are going to no longer be agnostic about these things. And I don't know if you, you follow, um, you know, the base camp folks. Yep. You, 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 I'm sure you read about this thing. And, you know, for those of you who didn't, and, and I'll paraphrase, but basically the company made a decision that they they weren't going to pick a side on anything and that it was a business and it, it had nothing to do with politics or the earth or, you know, rights, human rights, anything. It was, it was like, if you're speaking on behalf of the company, you don't have an opinion. And I believe that, I mean, and if you believe the news, they lost about a third of their already kind of small staff, a third. And if you think about what that tells you, it tells you to your point that we have come to so closely, um, you know, get some of our own personal brand identity from our employers. Right. And, and, you know, if, if the employer has no opinion, what's that say about me? You know, now, now, it's a slippery slope right because now every if everyone's picking a side and every every company has to have an opinion but you know there's a part of it that that I think is interesting which is now I can choose my products based on my own moral compass mm-hmm. right and and so i'm not surprised that companies are getting behind these types of initiatives because you know although climate change was commandeered by, you know, I, I guess I can say this, the GOP as, you know, as a, as part of a, a culture war battle. Yeah. Um, I think it's being extracted by these companies in a way and saying, no, no, this is just a thing that all humans have to deal with. And it has nothing to do with our politics. That has nothing to do with anything else. It's a, it's a fact.
0: Yeah. you know. Well, when you think, think about it, I, I don't know if this is true when you were young, but when my dad came home from work, he smelled like smoke. He didn't smoke, but everyone in the workplace smoked, right? Yeah. And companies eventually chose, you know, let's be on the right side of history and let's have a no smoking <laughs> policy. Yeah. It maybe took some steps of like, hey, we'll have the the smoking area, the non smoking area of you know the restaurant, of the office, everything. But eventually, it became this moral thing, right? Of like. Yeah, you know, everyone has a choice and they can smoke, but because it, it hurts everyone
1: who's yeah. the of it,
0: like there you you can take your smoke break, right? And um and I think we're gonna see kind of more more companies realize there's the right side of history. Plus there's the added pressure of Uh, ESG investing, which is environmental social governance, which has seen a humongous influx of investment dollars. It's about a third of the investment market right now where there's more rules, there's more regulations, there's more things you have to live up to in these categories. And the measurements are going to get better and better where companies are going to look for – you know where can we find another advantage and so um you know it's called scope 3 in terms of what your employee base can can start to do and can you affect those kind mm-hmm. of uh you know it's it's a little bit of an externality of your your company but it, it's not like your your manufacturing mill um but it's some of the the carbon that you're creating by being an employer so how do you how do you help people you know reduce that
1: yeah you know, as we went through the seven, um, and we talked a little bit about this before, we talked about Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, and, and you know, that I'd like to believe that, you know, it it helped um, a generation or maybe more, more than one generation, you know, get down like their, their grammar and understand what a bill is. Um, you know, it was just a really powerful tool. and And I think about young people today and and the seven things right and i'm try i've been trying to like as you're talking i'm also trying to like come up with tunes in my head of how would you sing that how how could you make that you know more catchy and and i mean are you guys are you guys looking at at that type of messaging as well
0: yeah we've um, we've looked at and played with gaming cuz that's obviously a huge you know that's that's a little bit the new schoolhouse rocks uh, and we're looking at also at content like, uh, like video content, like, uh, you, your Schoolhouse Rocks example, I think Schoolhouse Rocks helped do th- two things. Like it helped you tell, know what was important. Like, okay. Yeah. Knowing about the constitution, that's important. Uh, and then made it sticky, right? Cause there's an yeah. easy way to keep it in your head of what's the preamble. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. can sing the preamble. Yeah. Right. Uh, so and and that overcomes a little bit of a, a psychological, you know, um, obstacle. So we're we're really interested also in the ability of content to create that new norm. Like, how, how do I see Rob out there driving his EV? How do I see someone I respect um, doing something because it's it's not abnormal, it's not weird that he's driving the EV. It's actually just part of life now. And how do we set yeah. that up?
1: Yeah, I, I used to. I used to believe that there were some brands that, you know, it didn't matter who you were. They did a slight change to how the world would view you, right? And so the example I, at the time, I was fascinated with Portia. And, and I had this, like, little presentation I would do. And it would be like, I would show, like, three people standing at the ballet, right? And I would ask, like, what do you think this guy does? What do you think this woman does what tell me about them right and and we would go with stereotypes right so if the guy was like a little overweight and and unshaven and wearing like a hawaiian shirt and shorts and flip flops, you know people would think maybe not super highly of this person right yeah and then you'd do the same exercise but here comes their car right and now all of a sudden he's like some Mm -hmm. musician Right. And everybody, everybody changed and, and they didn't change, but the association changed. And I think that EVs are there too, where now when you see somebody in an EV, to your point, you, your opinion of them slightly adjusts. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you give, I think you give them the benefit of the doubt to say, oh, this person, there's part of them that's doing it because they care, Mm -hmm. you know? like they're being thoughtful. And, and I mean, of the seven, it feels to me like the E is going to be the front runner, right? I'm not saying it's the easiest because it's not because yeah. it, it, it's it's an expensive one, yeah. right? Let's, let's not joke like a Tesla is an expensive car. Even base model Teslas are very expensive, um, but you know, vaults and there'll be more and eventually Tesla will have a uh, uh, what I would consider an affordable vehicle that people can get. but I mean, it will still carry that message, I think. yeah, you know? yeah.
0: um first, I, I want to say, you know the Teslas do appear more expensive, but over the life of the vehicle, it's a Tesla s is cheaper than a Camry because. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not paying gas, you're not having the same servicing fee, et cetera. Uh, I think that's one of those barriers in people's minds. And it's also a real uh, barrier because there's upfront costs, right? Instead of costs uh, distributed over time. But yeah, um, I'm onto you with the idea of the EV, it's very public. It can be seen. um, And particularly with new new technologies, the things that drive adoption, it's been well-studied, are things like trialability, can I try it? Observability, can I see someone else doing it? Compatibility, does it work with the other things in my life, right? And so uh, EV sort of compatibility probably has a lot of things going for it, Um, you know, other than you just need to charge it up differently than the gas. That's the only thing that's really different uh, compatibility. Otherwise, you know, drives on the same roads, Works the same. Um, yeah, it's, it's it all fits, all. yeah, and it's cool. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I was surprised when I when when, when we talked about the seven. I, I thought that for some reason I thought that um, you know consumer technology and and and, and throwaway goods was going to be high on the list. I thought you were going to say something like, "Don't upgrade your iPhone every year." Wait. Three years, and because uh, I just have these nightmares of of what landfills of all the used technology look like, yeah. you know, out there, and I don't know where it's going. And everybody claims they're recycling it, but I, I don't know if I believe that. Um, and then you add to that like all the the junk that we buy that you know is is very disposable, and uh, and I don't know where any of that goes either. So I mean, for me, I've tried to make more and this is this is kind of like in your in your um, dietary uh, world too is that I've been trying to be much more intentional with purchase mm. like I'm only gonna buy things I really want I'm gonna make sure I love them like do I really need all that stuff do I need all these clothes like just trying to slim down my consumer impact to be more meaningful so I'm not gonna not buy things but I want it to be more more important my personal journey to the tesla started with a real um you know kind of sit down with myself about what are my values as a human being and and what am i and how am i expressing those values right and when you and when i did that and i said okay i got a couple gas guzzlers i mean there's one me why do i have all these vehicles like what am i doing and and i just said like okay i'm gonna I'm gonna go all in. I'm just gonna get one car. It's gonna be a Tesla, and it's gonna be cool. But, but this is the beginning of my journey, you know, to to stop what I'm doing, which is I'm not being thoughtful about this.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. There's a a much longer list we could go to, right? Um, fast fashion, as it could be on it, um, changing how you invest and investing in some of these ESG funds, etc. I think that's why we really wanted to focus on the top seven because, you know, what, what gets under my skin a little bit is when you open up the magazine and they have like the top 50 things you can do for sustainability or climate. 50, and yeah, it's just really. like, okay, well, you know, do I get to pick one and I'm done? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think we're, we'll have a hard time collectively as, as a society if we don't focus on the things that, that really have the most impact. And the impact will change from country to
1: country. Yeah. But I think that's the, the, the brilliance of your messaging, right? Is, you know, that here are the seven things. And if 10% of people do, you know, X amount, this will work. So you don't feel like the burden of all seven, you know, and then it seems a lot more realistic that somebody could pick one or two. Yeah. So let's hit that because, you know, people can learn more at, at
0: rare.org uh, and, Slash make it personal. The program's called make it personal, because really that's that's what we're trying to do here, right? Yeah. Is make these behaviors super personal. If 10% of Americans adopt seven of these behaviors, we get about 75% of the way back to the Paris Agreement in terms of the original commitments we made under the Obama administration to reduce carbon. Now I know. Paris isn't enough. We actually need to go further than that. Right. But it's a good line in the sand that people understand, right? And to think that yeah. individuals, 10% of Americans adopting, any 10% adopting these, these seven behaviors uh, has that much impact helps you go, okay, okay. It, it does matter. It's just like voting. Like we've learned over the past couple of decades, voting, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, individual yeah. votes do matter a lot. And yeah. so individual
1: behaviors at, at this scale, you know, they do add up. Yeah, I think I think the key with anything is making it accessible, and that's what I like about the messaging. Brendan, yeah. how can like the 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 DTC community at large help? Like, what what can other companies be doing? We talked about how employers can be doing. Yeah. Like, what about? Um, you know, marketers. What about people in the space? Like, what about people who have a mastery or skill over the types of communications that we that we kind of take for granted, which is that brand to to customer relationship? Absolutely. Um,
0: I think there are a number of things. Know these behaviors. You know, see whether they overlap with what you're doing, uh, because they're good for people. They're good for the company. They're good for everything. If you're at an organization that's large, say, "Hey, where's our ESG report?" You, your company may have one. Get familiar with what's in it. If your company doesn't, ask why they don't. Also, when you're putting things out in the world, start asking, like, "Wait, where's the carbon being created?" Right? Yeah. Do we do we need to include this extra, you know, extra thing that might weigh more into the packaging we're sending out? Um, is there some kind of behavior that's happening related to this around this that we're, that, that we're asking people to do that actually has a big tonnage of carbon associated with it? And be mindful of that. Bring that up in the conversation because just like I said before, you don't realize how many other people in your meeting, in your team also care about that thing. And it just took you bringing it up to go like, oh yeah, let's solve that too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talk about it, think about it, ask about it. You got it. I like that. I like that. And so rare.org is where everybody can go. Um, You know, make it personal was the, if you want to learn more about the seven things and any, any other pointers for people want to find out more information online about this stuff.
0: Yeah. If you want to go deep on it, uh, drawdown has uh, some, some great materials on the other solutions out there. Um, one of our, uh, board of uh, trustees members, uh, John Marshall just released a really great Ted talk, um, and explaining all the research he's done on the right framing, the right vocabulary to use with people. So that they start understanding that this is important because, you know, the scientific terms just don't land with people but the ability to yeah. say you know there's there's a pollution blanket <laughs> surrounding us and we have to do something for our kids because it's going to affect your backyard um, is such a more powerful framing than global warming so
1: um, take a listen to that as well yeah, i encourage you. Yeah. yeah i just love it make it personal take it personal i mean that's what's ringing in my head Brendan, thanks so much for coming on and, and talking to about talking to us about this and educating us and thanks for doing the work. You know, I mean, it's 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 so important and knowing how talented you are and that this is what you're spending your days focused on makes me feel a little bit better about all of it. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I'm on a mission, but uh, I'm asking you and and the DTC audience to be on a mission too. Uh, so, like you said, ask about it, think about it, uh, and do it.
1: Yeah, listeners. Just again, for full clarity, the you know the big difference here is you know it's not about us destroying the planet; it's about us destroying our ability to live on the planet, and and that's that's not the same thing. Um, you know. When I was sitting back and looking at a lot of the, you know, the Biden proposal for, for the new budget, um, you know, I, I really sens- I felt a sense of hope that I hadn't felt in a long time. And if, if you haven't looked at that, I really recommend it. Um, it, it goes beyond the, the words, the, the, the charts and the graphs. It's about what it really means and, and how we're prioritizing. And I think it says something else. And, and my takeaway from this conversation is really that we all need to come together. Um, and that organizations like Rare, um, they, they're leveraging the same tools that everyone else is using. And they're going to continue to do so. Um, like any of us in the space, they're going to continue to hone their skills and get better and better and better. And the better they get, the better we all get. So I, w- I would really recommend that you hop over there and y- you see what you can do. Um, as a, you know, just to quote P.T. Barnum, because talk is cheap. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Field Test, let's do this. Let's get real. Let's have fun. Um, let's let's save ourselves. Be safe, everybody. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Rob.
0: This was a Field Test podcast.
2: Target.